Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. You can make a difference in a special way. There's not only like this one way to save the world. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. Don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is giving my listeners two months of Skillshare for free, and you can get unlimited access to over 25,000 classes. Just go to www.skillshare.com slash dreamjob2 to start your free month today. All right, let's face it. New Year's resolutions don't usually stick. It turns out that 80% of them fail by the end of the month. If you want to focus on your health, you have to work for it. Waking up early for the gym, grocery shopping for fresh produce, this is not easy stuff and it's not always fun to do. But now I'm eating fruits and vegetables every day without even trying thanks to Daily Harvest and you can do this too. You can go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB to get three free cups in your first box. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I got some really cool things to share with you. I'm pretty excited. And we have an awesome guest today. I can't wait to dive into that. But before we do, I just want to tell you a couple things that have been happening. So you know how we have these Don't Keep Your Day Job listening groups? They're now all over the world, not just all over the country. We've got a Denver group. We've got a Phoenix group. We've got an Atlanta group. We've got a Chicago group. We've got a group in Australia, a group in London. It's just incredible. These groups are growing and growing. I saw the most beautiful post on Instagram. Our Chicago group was posting and taking a photo of their group meeting up. And they said that their group has doubled in the last month. Now they've got like 15, 20 people coming together. I'd love to see you guys having this kind of support. If you want to join a Don't Keep Your Day Job listening group, you can go to our website or you can go to the show notes. You'll see a link there. And basically, you'll let us know where you are, what you're working on, and we will find you some like-minded, beautiful, supportive souls who you can be meeting up with. You can be talking through these ideas. There's just nothing like having somebody who's there who champions what you're saying, who's a sounding board. It keeps you accountable. It keeps you getting that momentum because week after week, if you keep meeting up with these people, you're going to feel inspired to take some action. And I think that by sharing these ideas out loud, especially amongst people who get it and who are listening to the show and applying things that they're learning, I think it's going to help you really start to synchronize these ideas and put them into action. It's really important to surround ourselves with the right people. I posted on Instagram the other day and I said, you know, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment in which it grows. It's not the flower's problem. You know, it's the environment. There's nothing wrong with you. If a plant is wilting, you give it more water or sunshine. It thrives in certain conditions. It dies in other conditions. So take care of yourself. Surround yourself with the people who make your soul smile. 
read good things, eat well, get some sleep, be nice to yourself, be kind, be compassionate to yourself. So often we're not setting ourselves up to succeed because we're not getting the proper nourishment. Some people that we spend time with might be draining our batteries. And sometimes we're overlooking basic things that our body and soul needs. You might have a few crazy makers in your life. Julia Cameron talks about crazy makers in her book. You know, those people like they walk in a room and, you know, you just feel like your whole body tenses up. There's people who don't get you and they make you feel like your dreams are crazy. You don't need everyone to like you. You don't need everyone to get you. You just need a few good people in your corner who see you. and. I want you to choose to be around those kind of people who energize you and bring you to life and take time to do the things that lift you up. Napping, by the way, is underrated. Listening to this podcast, listen to it again if you need to. Check out something else, read a good book. It's just a good thing to be proactive in you know, how we're sort of setting ourselves up to win and who we're surrounding ourselves with. And another thing I wanted to say is sometimes I know you wish you could just unsubscribe from some of your thoughts, right? Like how nice would it be if you could just check a box and never have to deal with those gremlins again, those thoughts that just kind of like undermine all the things that you feel so excited about. Because here's what's happening. We have this part of our mind that's set to autopilot. It just spits out these old thought patterns over and over again. And unfortunately, a lot of our default settings might be negative. These like self-loathing thoughts based in probably some old experiences we had as kids. And for some people, they're constantly hearing a barrage of, I'm not enough. Maybe that's something you heard from a parent. Maybe that's something you heard from someone else. Other people, they're always second guessing their choices or they're worried that someone won't like them if they do X or Y. But there's a way out of this. That's the good news. There's a way out of this. The first step is bringing that darkness into the light. Just like Danielle Laporte said when she was here, you know, noticing Whatever these thoughts are, that's huge. Maybe you could just notice today, just instead of judging it, just maybe have some awareness and see if you can just be curious and observe today if there's any thoughts like that sort of circling around. That self-awareness will be huge. And then the second thing is to deliberately choose new thoughts, suggesting more empowering, healthier, more expansive, more compassionate, more optimistic things. You know, just because you think something doesn't mean it's a fact. And so we need to start suggesting things to ourselves that really lift us up, that get us in the flow, that really help us bring out the best in us and in the people around us. Because eventually you start believing whatever you repeat to yourself. Our thoughts definitely dictate how we feel and how we feel dictates what we do. So it's really important to make sure you're filling yourself up with some goodness so that you can make the most joyful choices every day and to create the most beautiful 2019. I just want you to know, like, I'm right there with you. I stand shoulder to shoulder with you. My therapist always tells me, Kath, you are such a hard worker. I've been in therapy on and off since I'm 15. I didn't magically arrive at just having the most perfect positive outlook. And, you know, having a mom who suffered from depression and suicidal thoughts, it's a, it's a very powerful teacher. So these days I've managed to notice my default thoughts and spend a lot of time proactively trying to surround myself with good things and Today's podcast will be another one of those things that lifts you up. And I can't wait to introduce you to who is here today. And I'm so glad you're listening because that, that, that is what I'm hoping is that week after week, you are being fueled 
by these episodes and it's giving you something new to direct that attention in your mind. And with that, hopefully you will start to chart a new course. So today you're in for a sweet treat because our guest is an incredible woman. Her name is Natasha Case. She's the co-founder of Cool House, which makes the most delicious, architecturally inspired gourmet desserts. They make ice cream sandwiches, or as they call them, Sammies, chocolate dipped ice cream bars, ice cream pines, just all the yummy goodness. They are now in over 7,000 grocery stores, ranging from Whole Foods to Safeway to Publix to Amazon Fresh. They have scoop shops here in California, plus they have food trucks in LA, New York, and Dallas. And they can even be found in other countries around the world. They have super interesting flavors like campfire s'mores, strawberry mojito sorbet, fried chicken and waffles, spiked coffee and donuts. You guys, you have to go check this out. And Natasha has this insane story of how Cool House became what it is. I cannot wait till you guys hear this story because you're going to see yourself in this story. You're going to see how she didn't know what the map was and she just kept taking the next step and what unbelievable things have transpired. You're just going to eat this up. But what I love about this is that she stands by her ice cream and she stays true to the idea that a really good dessert can actually change the world. You don't have to cure cancer. You don't have to start a charity. Just you making your thing, you being happy and sharing that with other people to give them an unforgettable experience, that can and does change the world. So we're going to get into this, but first, a quick thanks to our sponsor. A lot of you in the Facebook group have been posting about the new things you're learning this year, like online marketing skills, website design. Some of you are making logos. So I know that you're going to love Skillshare because it's an online learning community for creators. It has more than 25,000 classes in business, design, and all other things you can think of. You're going to discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career goals. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion or start a side hustle or just gain more professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those 2019 goals. I've taken their classes in Instagram. They've got social media classes. All of it's been super helpful. But if you want to learn more about something like social media marketing or mobile photography or creative writing or even illustration, I'm telling you, this is the place to go. I'd love to see you guys joining the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare's offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, you can go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2, and that's the number two. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2 to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with the phenomenal, the awesome Natasha Case. I'm so happy to be here with Natasha Case. Excited to be here too. It's so cool. What literally cool, no pun intended, what she has created in her life. So we're going to talk about how she built this incredibly sparkly, delicious, successful company. Um, but you had a life before that. Yeah. You were an architect. I was an architect in design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your journey, how you got to be Natasha Case and like sort of what the journey looked like to get sure, here. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely not the normal story for ice cream lady from architecture to ice cream lady. You know, everyone does that. No, I think for me, like the light bulb kind of inspiration moment that started to take me in this direction was 
in an architecture studio, actually, a professor criticized a scale model I had made saying it looked like a layer cake. And I was like, why is that a bad thing? Layer cakes are delicious. So I baked the next iteration of the model as a cake. And I had so much more fun doing that. Like that was pretty much my only all-nighter in all of architecture school. Because I just like, it was just such a blast. I was thinking I would always be more interested in, you know, cake as the material instead of balsa wood. And then when I presented it to my colleagues the next day, there was just such a different level of engagement with like this model made of cake. You know, they're probably thinking when she's done yapping about it, do we get to eat it? And, you know, if you ask people, what do you remember from a design studio? That is memorable. Like that, that brings people together. And I could just see everyone's guard was like down. And I had been searching for a way to make architecture and design more fun and accessible. It's about inclusion and and opening up the dialogue and not having this like intimidating bubble that people feel like they can't access. So that was very much on my mind. And and for me, it was like, this is it. Like food will make architecture more fun and digestible for people. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a thing I'm interested in, but I didn't know what it meant exactly. So through the rest of architecture school, and I went to grad school as well. So I have a master's degree in architecture. I just kind of played around on the side with this whole food meets architecture intersection, started calling it Farkitecture. And it was just like high concept dinner parties, different like products. It was, it was an art project, you know? And so cool. <laughs> it was really fun. It was wild. And it took years of fermenting, literally, you know, and, and marinating what this would Love be. You keep using these food words, right. digestible, <laughs> fermenting, marinating. Yeah. What were some of these things you were making, experiences you were gathering together? Like what, what, yeah. what did that look like for architecture? Okay. So I'll tell you one, for example, um, we had this like pizza making party and the tablecloth was basically like an architectural plan for like what would happen throughout the night. It was like, I, I like designed like a line drawing, like here's where so-and-so is going to spill their wine or someone forgot their wallet here. Or it was like, taking an architectural planning idea and being like, well, what if that was like somehow related to the course of the events of the evening? And then we made the pizzas and they were delicious. But then I canned the tomato sauce from that uh, event and did this whole special custom label where instead of like the ingredients, it said the directions or the uh, details for the next party on the can of tomato sauce. So it was like also about preserving the energy from the one night. And, you know, so it was like all these wild things. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like really just so fun to do this. It was just purely for fun, you know, on the side. You were following a thread of something that was calling you. Exactly. And, and it was about personal satisfaction because I just found it so fun. And I think part of, if you're going to be in food or hospitality in any way, you're definitely the type of person that also enjoys the other person's satisfaction. Like, I could see people were really having fun being part of this. And that also kind of gave me yeah, a personal well, pleasure. Yeah, fun doing that? Right. It's so alive. <laughs> so what happened next? Because we know where it's leading. <laughs> yeah. It's leading somewhere really cool. Yeah. yeah. So tell us what happened well, next. So this went on for quite a few years. I think maybe like four or five solid years of just, of just playing. And then my first real job was uh, Disney Imagineering, um, which was amazing. <laughs> And, um, apparently it's like, it's extremely like when people say what they would want to be, it's like a lot like rocket scientists, like that's in like the top five, which is like, it speaks to the world that they've created, which is phenomenal. But, um, it was a, a really cool experience because I kind of compare it to like 
a lot of tech entrepreneurs, you know, starting at like a Google, for example, you cut your teeth on, you know, the, how things are done and how teams are built and how products are built and all those things. So to me, Disney is like that for creatives because they are master storytellers and they create stories and characters totally. that people, people spend their whole lives worshiping. 100%. So it was a great place to be. Um, however, a few months after I started, the recession hit. So this is fall 2008. So a lot of people started getting, you know, laid off. And to kind of lighten the mood at the office with my food meets architecture concept, which I was now uh, calling Farkitecture, I started baking cookies, making ice cream, naming the combinations punnily after architects. So, you know, someone had gotten bad news. I'd say, like, I'm sorry to hear, but here's a Frank Berry, uh, which was a snickerdoodle strawberry, or here's a minimalism, double chocolate, dirty mint, mise vanilla row. And they would sort of like laugh amidst the tears. And that's really kind of what it was for a few weeks. And then I met the other founder, Freya Streller, um, and we're now actually married and have a son. So, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, but she's really a soulmate. Yeah, yeah, truly a partner in all ways. And uh, she saw the business potential, I think, in this crazy, ironically, what she called elitist ice cream sandwiches, because my whole goal is to make, you know, architecture not elitist, but it's still architectural ice cream. There's maybe an elitism there. She's not wrong. Um, so <laughs> she was like, you know, you're making this product, like, what's your cost per unit? And I was like, um, I went to Whole Foods and spent 80 bucks. And she was like, okay, we're going to go and write down what everything costs. It's like, oh, who is this girl? She's so annoying. But, you know, of course now I love that kind of stuff. And um, it was the convergence of the two of us who had such a different and wide-reaching set of skills when combined, but were aligned in this vision that, like, we're going to do something really big. We're going to change the game. We're going to create an ice cream brand that is, you know, is something so much for our generation and for women, you know, like we went in the ice cream aisle, we're like, we don't feel represented like on the shelf here, you know, let's do something for us and people like us, you know, and it's amazing (laughs) that you're like thinking about evoking somebody's empowerment and social change through ice cream. Yeah. Like again, (laughs) where's the solution? Yeah. Maybe it's not over here. Maybe it's an ice cream. (laughs) I think it solves a lot of problems. I mean, think about that. It's so cool. Like, I didn't anticipate that you were going to say what you just said. We want to be represented. We're going to, we're going to find our representation through ice cream. Keep going. Yeah. It's so cool. No, I think, I think that's the thing that's a common theme. It is so much bigger than, you know, the product represents something so special, but it is about what it represents in a way, you know? Um, so anyway, we, we came together. We said, you know, let's, it was sort of like this feeling, and I, I don't think we necessarily had as clear of the words at the time, but it was sort of like, you know, let's be the Ben and Jerry's of our generation kind of thinking, you know, except for Freya and Natasha. So we kind of like did the basics on the business, started developing the recipes, and we said, we've got to really think of how we're going to take this to market. And since it was the recession had just hit, there was no way we were going to get, you know, a, a loan for a brick and mortar, let's say. Um, we were 25 years old. We basically had, you know, very limited credit. We were both living at home. You know, we had nothing. That's, and that's what made it work. I How think. long ago is this? How many years? Uh, 10 years. Okay. Almost 10 years. And we didn't understand grocery yet either. That was not really an option. But we saw how kind of the social media connected, you know, chef driven mobile food was starting to, people were, were taking note. And we thought we could be the pioneering ice cream truck of our generation. We Googled hipster ice cream truck. Nothing comes up. Like literally there was like a truck that sold like records and that was it. We're like, we have to do this. Like 
the parting of the clouds, the zeitgeist, everything was, it felt very special and magical in that moment. Like we must act, you know? And so oh, I love it. <laughs> said, We're, let's get, a, let's get a food truck. What's our budget? Uh, it was my personal credit card with a $5,000 limit. I don't know why my card and not Freya's, but it's all right. It's all good. We got to go home and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we found a beat up postal van on Craigslist for $2,900. Uh, it was really a POS, but it did have chrome rims. That's basically what we were paying for. No engine. We tow it to LA and we say, we need a really big event to launch at. Like, where are we going to get this in front of as many eyeballs as possible? I'm drooling over this. <laughs> this is so much fun Maybe to listen to. <laughs> it's just so great. Okay. So go ahead. So then we said, okay, like the biggest event we can possibly think of where it's the most like culturally cool, our audience, people who this will resonate with, let's take it to Coachella music festival. So we begged and begged them to let us sell there. They literally just got so annoyed with us that they were like, stop emailing us. You can sell in the campground. You're, you're very, very annoying. You know, we were so persistent. So the morning of Coachella comes, you remember the truck doesn't drive. So how do we get there? Well, we had figured out that if we join AAA Platinum, we get one free 200 mile tow. And so we call up AAA, <laughs> they come out, they tow us to Coachella. And that is how Cool House began. <laughs> you must love this story. <laughs> Looking back, you're like, every aspect of that story is the most perfect story to tell. <laughs> it's very fun. So what happens? You get there. We get to Coachella and I mean, it was, how talk did about... you know how to outfit a, a, an old postal van? Like, did you get like I don't a know if we fridge? Did. Yeah. Were you just in the window? Like it was like melting, take it quickly. Like minimum viable product. Like the truck actually ended up being kind of like the aspirational icon. Like it was like sitting there and next to it, we had a booth because the doors of the truck, we couldn't even really open. They were too rusty and there were like bars on the windows. It didn't say cool house. We had, we had nothing, we had nothing to to spend. We had, you know, there was no budget. Like we spent it all on making some ice cream. So what was cookies. inside it? So the truck just was sort of there. I feel like people like charged their phones in it. Maybe someone slept there and I don't know, but like, it was just sort of was like, here's what we want to be. There was be. a fridge in there with ice cream? And then, well, and then there was a booth next door that we scooped from that we had like a chest freezer and like a couple tables for the cookies. And it was so you didn't really need minimum. It was to show people what we were going for, you know? Okay. And, and I think people then could make the connection post Coachella, like, yeah, yeah. but minimum viable, minimum viable product to the extreme. And that's, that was good though, because people were, were like, Oh, were you stressed? Or were you like, were you worried? And it, the truth was like, no, because yeah. it was sort of, we had nothing to lose. It was, let's Clearly. see how this, yeah, yeah let's yeah. see how this pans out. And if it works out great, you know, but if not, okay, like, so what yeah. happened? So we basically like built kind of a mini cult following at Coachella. People were excited about what we were doing. And, you know, I was would it called like, cool house already. It was called cool house. Um, and we had, we started scooping the sandwiches to order. Like we still do on the trucks and, and in the shops. Um, and it was, we would have also friends who had like, we traded tickets to the concert to like help us. I don't know what they really did, but they supposedly went to all the tents in the campground and like tried to sell the sandwiches from little cooler bags. It was there was, I, I don't really stand by any of the yeah, setup we're just, of the we're operation. Yeah, we were just starting it. We were starting to figure, figure it out. out. Yeah. But I would like, they would wake me up at like 7 a.m. and be like, Natasha, there's a line for the ice cream sandwiches. You know, like before I was even awake, people wanted them. So it was just the microcosm we needed. It was enough to know we've got something. You validated here. the idea. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was proof of concept. How'd you get that truck home? 
So common question. We, because we spent so little getting there, we started cash flowing right away. And so we got a real insurance policy and then we, you know, use that to tow the truck back. So, so, okay. So we were towing the truck back, you know, coming back to LA. I, a friend of mine who wrote for Curbed at the time, um, the real estate blog, he said, if it goes well, send me a logo or in the details and I'll do a piece on, on Cool House. So I was like, yeah, this is, we've got the proof of concept to keep going. I'm going to send Dan like, you know, an image of a logo, shameful for an architect, not even a vector based file. It was like, you know, and, um, the basics, I was like, here's the details. And he wrote this piece that was like, actually not even flattering at all. He was like, you know, if you're really bored in LA and you want something weird, there's this architecture ice cream truck. Like maybe if you have time, check it out. I was like, thanks, Dan. That's super helpful, but it didn't matter. It just shows it totally went viral. Like in coming home from Coachella, I was getting calls from like LA Magazine, LA Times, Dwell, Apartment Therapy reposted it. Meanwhile, Freya, we had set up a Twitter account, you know, in advance thinking, okay, if this, if this takes off, like they have somewhere, we have somewhere to collect people. And she, her phone had died and she turned it on and she called me and she said, I think we've been hacked because we're getting a new follower literally every two and three seconds. And I was like, no, that's real because I'm getting all these calls from editors so within 24, 48 hours, it was like five to 10,000 followers. It, it literally blew up. And if so few brands will have the literal luxury of like what you're doing going viral, it is like a phenomenal, mm-hmm. it's so rare and you can't plan for it. You yep. just have to like, you know, hold on mm-hmm. and wow, like we're really being given an opportunity to do something here. Like it's let's so do magical. It. It's so sparkly. <laughs> and I love that you... My friend, Emily McDowell, um, we had her on the show oh, cool. and she said, all you need to be successful is a vision of where you're wanting to get to and just a place to put your right foot, like <laughs> the next step. Yeah. It's so, it's so like hidden in plain sight. It's like right there. Yeah. So well what, said. so what happened next? So we're back in LA. It sort of felt like a wag the dog moment, to be honest, because we're getting so many calls from editors. And within a few weeks, I'm getting like a second call. Like, okay, we've we've like reported the cool house story. Like, what's your next move? It's like, um, to like make the truck drivable. Like we were literally trying to just like put the operation together now that we had, you know, this interest. Um, so in a, a few weeks later, it was still pretty minimum, but we like, it said cool house on the truck. Like you could open the door, like, you know, the basics of the brand. And then we actually started getting calls and this shows kind of how long ago this was. Our first call like this was from MySpace, RIP, but they called us. (laughs) They were like, what's it going to cost for an ice cream social? Like at our campus, like we were like, please hold, um, what should we charge? Anyone know? Like what We, we hadn't even thought of catering really, you know? And so in those first few years, we really um, ran what, what first was one truck and then two as like an events and catering business. And we started expanding to um, Texas and New York. So a few years in, we've got like this kind of national truck business, which was phenomenal. And it's a great business, especially, you know, if like if it's an owner operated, like, you know, it's good margins and it's very nimble. Like you can do something mm-hmm, and then you, can mm-hmm. down. you know, it's, it's interesting. And of course, social media was a big part of that. But we really kind of looked at it and said, this is a phenomenal kind of boutique and very experiential element, but let's also go back and explore the channels that we couldn't in the beginning, which was brick and mortar 
and grocery distribution and, you know, see if there's opportunity there. So in the same way we, you know, signed our lease in Culver City, we said we want to have a, a space that we can really curate and, you know, a home and for our team too, like it can be an office and a headquarters. Yeah. Um, and let's try grocery. The grocery thing, I literally wandered into a Whole Foods and I found the guy stocking the freezer aisle. And I said, oh how do I get to be a brand that you're stocking? Like that was literally it. People are really so curious about that. And, and look, different stores change up. Like Whole Foods is in a different moment, but it's, it's the same. It's more like you said, like the mentality, I think, of just asking and going for it. And, yeah. you know, you'd be surprised how far that can get you. Okay. So he connected me to what was then called the, um, regional forager, very Whole Foods. And Kimberly's job was to really find the, you know, the kind of up and coming local brands and help kind of be the ambassador for what it's going to take to succeed on shelf at Whole Foods and test the products. And I met with her and she had an architecture background too, but she was questioning some of my vision, which was, I didn't want there to be any difference in the product at shelf than what we were scooping on the trucks and selling in the shops by then. Because I grew up, I feel like as the child of the nineties, where you saw like these, uh, like fine dining brands, like Wolfgang Puck, by the time they get to grocery, no offense to him, but it's like, you know, a, a frozen Compromised pizza. Version. Yeah. And it's cheaper. And I said, I think our generation is too, they can't, they, they won't be fooled by that. Like people want to have that yeah. quality maintained, yeah. even as you're growing and people expect that, which is a good thing. So I said, they're going to be $5 just like they are. And it's going to be the same recipes and made, you know, essentially in the same way. She was like, that's $2 more expensive than the most expensive novelty. I was like, well, people can know that it's the best. And we are building our brand outside grocery. Mm -hmm. So she had her doubts. And then the whole architecture thing. I mean, every, you know, she was like, helped make it possible, but it also shows you when you're an entrepreneur, when to, you have to hear the voices of the skeptics. Like that is important, but you also have to know when to trust your instinct. Yeah, Yeah. So we launched a Whole Foods and it did actually quite well, despite at my, at first horrible packaging that I created, I have no one to blame but myself. Like I just had him not thought it through and it went well enough that they said, this is, you clearly do have an audience, but like fix the packaging and it will be so much better. So we did, which is another important, important point. Like you have to be willing to like build, mm-hmm. like measure it, learn, evolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we've grown that business tremendously. I mean, now it's 7,000 doors, sandwiches and pines. We're launching dairy free this coming year in 2019. I mean, that, that business is a $10 million plus business with a very humble beginning. It's grown quite a bit. It's so (laughs) extraordinary. And I love how at every step you had the confidence not to overthink it so much. All right. Before we go on, we're just going to say quick thanks to another one of our sponsors. So last year I had this goal. I was really going to cut out all this junk food and eat super clean. But then I discovered that it's really hard work, especially when you're like me and you don't have time to go to the gym or pick up produce at the store because you have three kids and you're working on so many things. But now I'm getting back on track thanks to Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers carefully sourced, chef-crafted food built on fruits and vegetables. You can choose from more than 50 ready-to-blend smoothies or savory harvest bowls. There's soups and breakfast bowls. The best part is everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to eat it. So I love how easy this is. The other day I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to cut up some fruits and vegetables and do some meal prep. But then I remembered, wait, I have this daily harvest. So I grabbed a smoothie bowl. I added a little milk and it was super satisfying. It takes one step 
five minutes max to prepare. You cannot beat that for a healthy meal. Daily Harvest is the easiest, fastest, most delicious way to load up on fruits and vegetables and to make your healthy eating habits stick. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code DREAMJOB for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com. Tell us what maybe we can understand now that you have such an expertise in this. What does make good branding? What were the shifts that made the packaging better? Yeah. Why do you think things started to grow as fast as they did. So I think there's two things. One is first really taking the time to figure out the, the, like who, as far as the brand, you know, like the brand is almost like a person or a persona. It's an identity. And you really have to be deeply in touch with like what it is and what it stands for. It may kind of seem obvious to you because you're doing it and like you've got in your head, but when you really start to get in there and unpack it, like you'll still have more questions than you realize, like brainstorm it, like hash it out, images, words, conversations, like unpack it as much as you can. There's so much there and don't take it for granted. How did you, know? you do that? Did you make like a Pinterest yeah. board of, of a certain kind? Before, right. I mean, this is probably before Pinterest was really big. <laughs> yeah. A lot of different things, I think, over the years, but that's the thing too. Like it could take time. It might be hard to know completely at first, which is like why I always think it's interesting when a brand kind of is not even really out there yet. And there's so much, like so many focus groups or so many, like all that information before it's even out there in the world. Because part of it is, I do, I do think just the patience to, to really monitor it as it evolves, because it can transform and it yeah. can mean different things at different point, you know, in its life. Yeah. So, but that because being it's said, alive and growing just like you are totally. And it, yeah. it may evolve. I'm very, very close to it as a leader. So it may evolve as you evolve, you know, and, and that's okay. But I do think having checkpoints where you do some kind of visioning exercise where you lay it all out, you know, if, if you're a visual person, do that, like journaling, whatever it may mean, just like meditate or have like a stream of consciousness thinking about it. Like there are so many ways to do it, but it is important to stop, I think, at different points and like, you know, make a record of it. Um, and I think someone who's beginning, who doesn't have yeah. the perspective that you have, yeah might not understand why the depth of understanding everything that goes into the story yeah. is important. It's Can you tell us huge. why yeah. through the pores of everything you're doing, yeah. that story is what's oozing out and yeah. people are picking it up. Like it isn't that they're just biting a delicious exactly. sandwich and going, this is yummy. There is something else happening. Totally. So a, a new friend of mine, Sean, who is the president of um, Goldie Blocks, you know them? Yeah, of course. Really cool. Yep. You know, it's like girls stem for help yeah, girls, girls like get empowered through building and totally. I think they're it's incredible what they're doing. Yeah. I also think the way they use media is great. But anyway, I was on a panel with Sean and she said, "Why would a kid or adult?" play with a star Wars toy if they hadn't seen the movie, you know, like first you have to give people the inspiration to even look at your product. If you're really talking about making a successful product, clear, right? It like you hear that and you're like, Oh, obviously, but like, like what a great way to lay it out. It's true. So you've got to give people the inspiration. That is what's going to drive them there in the first place. And that's, what's going to, there's so much more to just the thing than at that point. So the connection is deeper they then have such a more rich experience with, in our case, let's say eating an ice cream sandwich yeah. 
that then it makes them want to turn around and share that with everyone yeah. they know because it's about so much more than just the thing. So if you really want to reach people and you want to do it through a brand, like that is how you think of it. And I think there's just so much more unlocked potential. Honestly, I just think you'll have more fun that way too, because then you're not just stressing about the, like the thing. It's like, well, what's the meaning behind this? And people want to know more than ever, all of those things. I mean, growing up again, like thinking of going to the grocery store, I didn't know who was behind these brands. We didn't really have relationships with the folks at like the checkout counter or in the aisles. Like it was all fine, but those kind of relationships have changed a lot. Like the average, like person at Whole Foods who works there, they'll talk to you about what's in your cart or yeah, they'll show yeah, you yeah. something. And when you're checking out, Oh, I love this. Like, this is my favorite. Or if I tell them like, Oh, that's, that's my ice cream sandwiches. And I buy them like, Oh my God, like I first tried the truck and now we're so glad to carry it. Like there is a deeper connection with both the workforce and the consumer and the product like than ever. So Do you like, feel like when you're creating your avatar yeah, for who, you're, <laughs> who cool house is as a person, yeah, are you basing it on who the target customer avatar is yeah, or who you really are yeah, or is it someone else? So to get to your earlier question of like, besides the unpacking of the brand, I think you really have to think deeply about who it is that is going to be, as we like to say in consumer, your heavy user, which makes it sound kind of like a drug addict or in our case, maybe a heavy meaning someone who ate a lot of ice cream, <laughs> but nonetheless, the term applies. So like, what's going to be this person that's like really going to be addicted to your brand and, and, and who are they and why? And I think like digging in so much more to like their emotions as to why they eat it. Like we found in like really kind of connecting with that consumer, like so much of eating ice cream is like this moment we call this bucket, like quiet, the world stops because it's like people like literally their world stops and they're eating ice cream and you kind of like can forget where you are. And it's this like sacred moment. That's just yeah. relaxing and comforting. And it's so interesting to hear about mm-hmm. how spiritual it is for people. And also we asked them about like why they like that. We're women founded and led. What does it mean to them? Not just telling them that we're women founded and led, but hearing why that's meaningful. And that's incredible to hear about. Like, first of all, they're like, well, I know if a woman made this product, she was probably going to understand me better. Like she's going to understand my needs or is she a mom and have kids? She wouldn't put anything in a pint container in a sandwich that she wouldn't give to her kids. There's like a trust or a feeling of they might care more or be more thoughtful. Right. Like all this stuff is going on in their head. It's not just about the, the tagline. You and know? how are you communicating those ideas through packaging or are you telling that story on your website or yeah. is there a little hints of it in the packaging. Yeah. It's very clear on the packaging. It has to be front and center because there's so much. Yeah. We created like an icon women founded and led. And we actually found specifically that's even more than women owned. You know, people want to hear founded and led because that tells the whole story actually who's running it, but it has to be front and center because there's so much noise now and people really need it on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. So you can have a paragraph. I mean, I don't recommend a full paragraph and we need to fix this ourselves too, actually, but you can have more in writing somewhere, but you have to have something that's like really easy for people to so understand. So you have that on the, on the label. Yeah, on the website. Everywhere. It's all over our collateral. And then what else is in that wrapper that tells me more about this? Yeah, on the package. Yeah. Um, we do have like the, the founding at, you know, Coachella story with the truck. Um, and I think just about the ingredients, like the real ingredients, the quality of the dairy that we're using, or in the case of the dairy free, you know, organic and non-GMO, um, plant-based, uh, peas, brown rice and cocoa butter. So you got to speak to the ingredients and then you have to speak to the, 
the how it's made that makes it so good. So that it's the creamiest and it's the best texture and the most velvety it can possibly be. So those are kind of the three big components for it's us. It's so great. One other thing that is so important in the story is when Kimberly, you said her name is Kimberly? Yeah. <laughs> when she's the forager, right? Yeah. When you were discussing with her sort of how this plan would roll out, she thought it was $2 too much. Right. <laughs> and you didn't apologize for that. No. And you were like, let's go with that. It's worth it. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't even begin because they're not sure they can put value yeah. to what they're giving. A lot of people struggle with letting money into their ecosystem with not feeling ashamed of being successful or True. having. How could you help someone else to put their shoulders back? Right. And know their worth. So I think what you're going to value, let's say what you're making it at, like if it's going to be about quality or about the way it's made or the who makes it or any of those things, like then there's a story behind that price point and you just have to tell it, but it will be worth it for people. Like I do believe you get what you pay for generally, you know? So that's one thing. As far as being a maker and accepting like, you know, the economics in general, like you definitely should and do have to get comfortable with it. But I think you have to know what your motivation is. Like for me, we want to succeed and we have huge, huge dreams for Cool House. We see Cool House being a hundred million dollar brand plus. Like I like definitely see, I'm like very sure of that, you know, but it's not about that. It's about like, what does that mean then at a hundred million dollar plus, let's say how many people then are having like maybe what we hope and believe is the best ice cream sandwich, you know, scoop of ice cream dairy-free, whatever other innovation is in our pipeline, which we have quite a bit, like best experience they have had in their whole lives. We would have a lot of people write in like, this is the best ice cream sandwich I ever had in my whole life. If we can uh, quintuple our brand and beyond, how many more people are getting that experience and how happy are they going to be? And if you can like make the best ice cream sandwich in someone's life, that's a really big deal. So like I'm more interested in like the scalability of the impact of the deliciousness of the product and the message behind it. How many more people are we reaching, especially, you know, women and young girls who can see someone like them made this and they can do it too. So like, that's what excites me. Cause you can see, I have more of a creative background and what drew me into the business is like, I can then take this and get it to so many people and like, and impact their lives with the ice cream. That's my motivation. Well, it's just a really <laughs> amazing thing, especially since you are just actually said it out loud. There's such a why, there's such a purpose for you behind, it's not the hundred million dollars because at a certain amount of money, you're living nicely. Yeah. What's the difference between so staying in a five-star five hotel or staying in a five-star hotel? <laughs> like you're already there. It's now about something for you showing girls as they're growing up and women, as they're taking their place in society as an adult. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> I mean... Do you notice that people struggle with, with like, is what I'm doing enough to put my heart and soul into? Is it really going to make a difference? Do you yeah. notice that? Oh, for sure. And I think you have to know the way that you're going to make a difference. And we can, we're not going to all do it in the same way. Like, what's the way that with all you have going for you, your skill set, your background, the people you know, that you can make a difference in a special way or that you can do your craft and, and be really nice about it and make someone's experience with that craft better, whatever it may be. Like those are all meaningful things. There's not only like this one way to save the world, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, um, I completely agree. I, I always feel like people are just like so busy on Instagram and Facebook arguing about politics or whatever. And it's yeah. so, it's such a downer Yeah, and it's so unpleasant. 
and you're busy making ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> and not only, are all can you, agree on. yeah, not only are you happier, but yeah. then every time you make those more available in the world, like people are busy eating them and enjoying them. And yeah. if it, wouldn't it be cool if everybody just spent their time making things <laughs> that lit up the world. Yeah. Like that is saving the planet. It does solve a problem in, in its own way. And also there's a lot of built into it. Like making something with quality does make an impact on our food systems. When you source things with equal yeah. partner chocolate right. and better dairy, yeah. when your brand stands for something, exactly. It's funny because in the early, early beginning days of cool house, we applied to Freya went to Cornell and I went to Berkeley and we applied to both schools for like the business plan so competition. Stupid. What's the problem? You can't find someone smarter. <laughs> um, and the, particularly the Berkeley business plan competition, we had like the lowest ranks of any of the, you know, business plans that were submitted. I think the one that ended up winning was like a watch that like, um, sent Africa to like, uh, detect tuberculosis or something. I was like, okay, well, we're not going to be that. And they it's were like, like these girls know where the cool parties are with their ice cream truck. They just didn't get it all. But I, I didn't feel discouraged as I know we may not be making a watch that detects tuberculosis and, you know, in a third world country, but we are doing good in our own way. I do think it's social good. I do think the women led aspect on its own is social good. Again, the way you source things, the way you build your team, the choices you make with running a business do influence. Also, just you being one person who's happy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like we're always worried about like taking care of like the country or another country. Like what about your own country inside your house, inside <laughs> this house? If it's just your own body feeling happy, like yeah. if we each would just take care of our own happiness and be happier overnight tomorrow, yeah. we'd have a better world, like joy, you know, finding your joy. And then you yeah. give other people so that's much so permission to go find their joy because you <laughs> went ahead and like, put a stake in the ground and said, this makes me happy and I'm going to spend time on it. Yeah. And that is such an incredibly inspiring thing. Um, Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Okay. I'd love to. Yeah. You started, you, you started a podcast how many months ago? Like, it was in fall, September. Okay. I think we so really our first taping. recently. Yeah. Start to sale. Start yes. to sale. So is that about small business and yeah. understanding? Tell us a little bit about what the podcast is about. So it's, it's really almost like a forum amongst founders and CEOs where we're bringing in both of those types of people with a, quite a w- wide range of backgrounds, you know, smaller startup, uh, the witch C episode. It's so funny. You have to listen to that one all the way, um, to a friend of mine, Jane Merwan, who's the founder of Dermalogica. So that's like, you know, I think our biggest brand on the show. And myself and the other host, Aaron Patinkin, are both from food backgrounds, but it's definitely not just a discussion about food business. It's really just about business and what it takes to grow it from the ground up. And a lot of that kind of in between, because I feel like a lot of, um, there's some great podcast material out there about the startup world and then about the I've done it all, which are phenomenal and, and always worth a listen. But we found there was um, white space in that middle. Like what are people saying that are going through it now? And specifically what are applicable like lessons or stories or skills that we can share with an audience? So they really feel like they could take that and like apply it to their business. So let's talk about that. Tell me, cause you already had been doing this so successfully running a business, (laughs) starting a business, all of that stuff, but you've been doing the show and interviewing some other people. What are two of the things that you learned that come to you just off the top of your head and you're like, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. That is something that people could understand to apply their business. I really like my friend Piera Gilardi of Refinery29. She spoke a lot about, about transparency with her team, which 
I always thought of, of as more financial, like when I think of transparency as, as the CEO, I'm like, okay, I'm going to share the numbers with you and the goals for her. It's much more about emotional transparency and really giving permission to her team through her own actions, just to be honest about how you're feeling and that it's okay to talk about those things and not pretend like we have to like bottle them up. Yeah. And she's so authentic and, and like that sounds like, yeah. It. And, it, and, and funny. And it, it gives people like, they then are like, I'm comfortable too. And I just thought that was really cool. And that kind of blew my mind. Um, Jane were one, she had stuff about, um, you have to have fierce conversations with your partner. And like, if you can't do that, then you're not, you don't really have that space of like trust and respect. Like you have to be willing to really hash it out and get to a higher ground. Yeah. I I always think of the fierce, I mean, Fran, I do have our fierce conversations and you have to, you know, what does that Um, mean? Being we willing to like say what you're really feeling or thinking or I think like, or or how important it is to have your partner challenge you. Yeah. Like I think when there's more love and respect, you can argue like more deeply because you have the security. And so as long as that's productive, like, yeah. it's so important that you do it. The fact that you just brought that in is interesting because it's similar to the other thing from your other guests, which was the transparency yeah. of the emotion. Yeah. And so I think it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where so much of what helps you become successful at anything, it's the spiritual technology. It's the inner work. It's not necessarily the technology of yeah. the truck having an engine that works. Yeah. <laughs> it's the confidence. It's yeah. trying it. It's going with your gut. It's testing it and re- receiving feedback. Right. It's walking up to that person in Whole Foods. It's really listening to other people and knowing where you're coming from and knowing what the story is. It's all of that. And it makes sense that you highlighted those two things because it seems like you're the kind of person who listens to your intuition a lot and has a very rich inner world. Yeah. Definitely. Do you meditate? Do you spend time in that <laughs> inner space? I think, um, I think meditation can mean different things maybe to different people, but I do like to really take time for myself, whether that's sometimes I walk to my office, it's about a 45 minute walk and you that's can long. just be, yeah, you no can sort of be like okay. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a very quiet walk because nobody walks. <laughs> for me, exercise is huge. I actually went to an acupuncturist for the first time. Oh, this, this guy, I have to say poke acupuncture. It was, it was amazing. But I, I do think, you know, taking time for yourself, getting outside the office for me, even, even when I travel for work, so it's still like a business meeting, but somewhere else, I still feel refreshed when I come back. Like I come back, I'm like, I yeah. see it all differently. It could have been two days, but like, you got to get outside of just your work, whether that's travel, reading, whatever it is for you. Yeah. But having you time and then not being ashamed or guilty about that at all. Yeah. And you know, it's going to make your work better. You know, it's this, the creative journey. This was such a delicious <laughs> conversation. I'm so inspired um, by you, the way you approach the world. I love what you're making. <laughs> As we're signing off, what do you want to say to the person who's listening right now who might have started to feel something, you know, bubbling up in their in their gut. And yet there, there's a lot of breakthroughs that still need to happen because totally the breakthroughs never stop. That's the thing too, you know? And I think, and that's the thing of the creative process is like, um, even when I do presentations on branding or things that are like very much, you know, the artistry in the business space, I still always treat it like a never ending canvas. Like it's never going to be done or perfect. And to me, I find comfort in that. Don't feel like it's, if it's not there, there's, okay, well, I just need to go until it's, until it's yeah. perfect. It's never going to happen, yeah. you know? So keep just like making it the best you can. Yeah. And that's already so much greater than like 
what the going standard is, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think like, yeah, just like take those steps. I mean, so much of fear is irrational, you know, like yeah. a lot of people when they're like, oh, are you nervous for this? And you're like, what would I actually be nervous about? What do I think is going to happen? That's so bad. Yeah, that and then you're like, I don't even actually yeah. know. Yeah. Like it's very irrational. So like really break it down. And I love what you're saying about just like taking the steps, do the thing, like put it out there, incorporate, finish making it, show what you're doing to someone. I also very much believe like it's all about execution. Like very rarely do like people steal ideas. I actually don't believe that's really possible. And so when I start thinking something is cool, I like really want to talk about it with people and like really watch their eyes and their reaction. Like, are they getting, whoa, they're like, they're there with you. And they're like, there's something. And then you kind of keep going with that. Like, I understand like you want to nurture an idea, but also like share it. Amazing. Tell us where we can find you. Well, all information for Cool House is cool.house, H-A-U-S. And our social is at Cool House, you know, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook. And then you can find us in 7,000 grocery doors in every state. So that's from like a Whole Foods to a Publix to a Safeway, soon to be Ralph's here in Southern California, Amazon, Fresh, all those kind of stores. We're also in the Middle East and Asia and the Caribbean. (laughs) <laughs> with our pints and sandwiches and dairy-free coming next year, as I mentioned. And then we have a scoop shop in Culver City and Old Town Pasadena in Dallas and then trucks in L.A., Dallas, and New York. Yeah. You're yeah. so and a cookbook. amazing. <laughs> um, what's, last question. What's your favorite ice cream sandwich? Oof. It kind of changes depending on the day of the week, but I would say... Ice cream sandwich, like if I was going to go for one right now, the that dough, though, the cookie dough one, it's so good. Chocolate chip cookie, like yeah. batter, dough, ice cream, and the dough pieces. It's just okay, awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. All right. How incredible is Natasha? Such a rock star, right? All right. So here are some of the takeaways. Number one, create a minimum viable product, even if that's a van with no engine and no branding whatsoever. Number two, hear the voice of the skeptics, but trust your instincts. Number three, stand up for your worth. The price point conveys the story of your quality. Number four, a clear, successful brand takes time to evolve. Be patient. Number five, tell a story through your brand. Give people the inspiration to look at your product. Number six, more money means more scalability and more impact to inspire others. Number seven, there's not just one way to save the world. Number eight, it's never going to be perfect, so make it the best you can. And number nine, keep taking those steps, make it, share it, and execute it. So we put all of these takeaways and some really good discussion questions from this episode into a cheat sheet. You can go to the show notes and find a link to download that there. Also, just like the interview we did last week with Emily McDowell, there's a video of this whole unedited conversation on YouTube. So we have a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to watch it. So Thursday, we're going to have another amazing interview of one of you. And if you want to be considered to be a guest on the show, please send us your stories. Email us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. Just put in the subject, say listener story. We really want to know how much has happened to you, how much has transpired since you've been listening to the show. We'd love to know the successes you've had and how much your business has grown because of listening to this podcast and the impact that these episodes, these ideas, these guests, everything we're talking about, what impact it's had on you. I also just want to say how much I love this group and I love seeing you guys coming on over and joining our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. And I love that this is becoming like this like world 
worldwide family of like-minded makers and dreamers. Brina was so sweet. She posted on Instagram and said that she and her friend actually drove two hours to visit Greg Franklin's Cheesecake Ninja Shop because she heard about him on the podcast and she wanted to go and she wanted to buy a few cheesecakes and support him. And I just love seeing you guys really being there to cheer each other on. So if you want that support, if you want to join a listening group in your town, if you want to be sharing these ideas that you have and you want someone to bounce it off of, you can come to our Facebook group. Also, we're going to be doing this two-day, incredibly healing, powerful, inspiring workshop called the Dreamtopia Workshop. You can get tickets at dreamtopiaworkshop.com. And if you're in a meetup group, you actually get a buy one, get one free ticket. So it's free to join one of our Don't Keep Your Day Job listening meetup groups. So I would encourage you, join a meetup group, and then you'll be able to use a special code that we're giving to the people in the meetup groups. We want to reward them for taking this action because we know that these groups are going to help you to actually take these ideas and take this curiosity and this wonder and whatever is calling to you and turn it into something much bigger and much more tangible. So if you join a meetup group, you'll get a code. You can use that to get a buy one, get one free ticket for this workshop. And then it costs you like less than $200 for you to come for two days and hear from incredible speakers. We'll also be doing some meditation. Plus we'll be doing a live podcast from the stage at this event. So come join us at the Harmony Gold Theater, March 14th and 15th. You can get your tickets at dreamtopiaworkshop.com. And if you want to get the coupon code, join a meetup group first. You you can find that link in the show notes and then you can get the code and you can get a buy one, get one free ticket. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, if there's another episode you loved, please go ahead and share it with a friend. It's such a gift for you to encourage somebody and tell them what your favorite episode is, tell them how it's impacted you, and maybe it's going to change their life also. You know, I can't believe that now we're over 4 million downloads, climbing to 4.5 million downloads, and it boggles my mind. It's only possible because of you, because you have the courage to show up, to open your mind to these conversations, to open your mind to the possibilities of what's really out there for you. And I truly believe this is the year that you are going to rip it open. You're so much closer than you think. And I can't wait to see what happens with the reverberations of what you're going to do once you realize that it's all within reach. I'm going to leave you with another song of mine. If you want to find some daily inspiration, you can follow me at kathy.heller on Instagram. Kathy's with a C. And I do read all of my DMs. So if you want to get in touch with me, that is the best way to do so. I'm thinking about you and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. I could use a fresh coat of paint, change my scenery. Wake up in the morning and choose to be brave and sad.